Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Ah, yes. From the eye of the tiger chair here at CYE. Welcome back to the Clay Young Show on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 app. I, as luck might have it, am Clay Young, your host for the next several minutes. And our guests on the show today are two dynamic young women who are on their way to something special. Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue and Katie Fetzer, who is soon to be Dr. Katie Fetzer. They are the owners of the Wellness Studio. Uh, two facilities here in Louisiana that counsel people who have problems that they're trying to overcome. They are both licensed professional counselors. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about a number of issues that deal with mental illness, some reflections on society. We're going to talk a little bit about happiness. We're actually going to deal with the question, what is happy? We're actually also going to deal with the question, what is ugly? We're going to talk about racism. And actually, Katie utters a phrase. It's a turn of a phrase that I've never heard before that is super fascinating. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're going to have to listen to the show to hear what she says. But I truly enjoyed the the conversation, uh, this interview that we conducted a day ago. And we talk about the holidays because this is the time of the year where people go through all kind of emotional ups and downs. I actually am not a big fan of all of the crap that surrounds this time of the year, specifically Christmas, uh, the commercialization of it and all of the pressures and just, I, you know, you get to a point in an age where you're just not interested in pleasing uh, people just for the sake of doing it. Hell, I like to be happy all year long. I love giving all year long. I love doing for people all year long. And this is a special time. It really is for family and friends. But some of the stuff that goes along with it, eh, I'll pass. But this conversation is absolutely a positive one. I think that you will enjoy it. And you will see why these two ladies are really on the rise. And I think they're going to do something special here in Louisiana and maybe even across the country. They're brilliant and they're really good people. So I enjoyed the conversation and I think you will as well. Uh, Quickly here, Donald Trump is dominating the news again. Actually, Trump's comments earlier this week moved the terrorist attacks from last week off of the front page, which tells you a whole lot about the attention of the media in this country, number one. And number two, it tells you that as much as people say all he wants is attention, he certainly doesn't have to do a whole lot to get it. His recent foray into front page real estate is about his suggestion that we ban all Muslims from coming into America. You can't do that. It isn't legal. It's not going to happen. And listen, I am all about killing the terrorists, eliminating terrorism. And I do think we need to do that. But let's just be honest. Do we really believe ISIS is above lying about their faith so they can get into the country and cause harm to Americans? And I don't believe that every person who practices the Muslim faith is a terrorist. Just like I don't believe that every person who practices Christianity is all that good. In fact, some of the biggest douchebags I've ever met in my life have been people who quote the Bible regularly. Just saying. Not that I indict Christianity because I I would never do that. 
But I'm just saying, as it relates to this specific case, yes, we should be careful about where people are coming from, what countries they're coming out of. I mean, I think that's just common sense. But to put up a general universal ban on all people who practice Islam, I don't think it accomplishes the goal that we're trying to reach, which is dealing with these people, these thugs, these murderers who want to hurt innocent people around the globe. Just one person's opinion, whether people agree or disagree. Up next... Mary Catherine Rodrigue, MK, and Katie Fetzer, two balls of energy and charisma, and they're going to talk with you about being mentally strong and the importance of asking for help if you really need it. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. I know I thoroughly did, and it is next. Listen, don't forget, hit the subscribe button if you can, if you have not yet on iTunes to get the show every week. It helps our numbers. You can also comment on the comment section on iTunes. And of course, if you haven't downloaded that Talk 107.3 app, you can do that for free by going to your iTunes, your app store or going to your uh, store for your apps if you're a non-Apple user, the few of you out there that are. So you can get it free there and get the show every week. And of course, you can just go to the website, podcast225.com. Here's more about that right now. Have you ever wanted to host your own podcast? Coming soon, Clay Young Enterprises and Podcast 225 will be giving you your big chance. You'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment to create a podcast that you can be proud of. You'll have an engineer and a professional show open and close. The Clay Young Show is already considered one of the best podcasts in the state. Get the same audio quality and professional packaging for your very own podcast. Stay tuned for more details. Your chance to have your own show is coming soon. Clay Young and John Fabry here for Infinity of Baton Rouge and Infinity of Lafayette. Let's talk pre-owned. We need to, buddy. We have plenty in inventory. Of course, sales have been great this year. Yeah. And uh, when sales are great, that means trade-ins are in high supply right Phenomenal. Now. So we get a lot of really nice trades. And again, just I've mentioned this before, people that trade in cars with us don't they're not those cars that are trading in are still in great shape. They're Absolutely. not buying cars because they have to have one, right? Because they're worn out. They just want another car. So we have really well kept cars, uh, and of course we go through them as well, check them out before we put them on a the lot. We have over two hundred in stock right wow. now, all price ranges. So if you find yourself in the used car market, check us out in Baton Rouge or in Lafayette. Now that's pickup trucks, SUVs, sedans, the whole thing. Small to large, we have it all, buddy. You owe it to yourself to check out the selection of pre-owned cars and SUVs at InfinityBR.com and InfinityLAF.com. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. And so we're back with the ladies from the Wellness Studio. You know, in a couple of meetings we've had here, over the last few uh, weeks, I've been reprimanded for slipping and saying the wellness center. It's a, just don't say that to these ladies. So, Katie and Mary Catherine, how are you guys? Hi, good. Yeah. So Thanks let's let's start by talking about the wellness studio, uh, how this whole thing came to be, and 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 from there we'll kind of jump backwards a little bit. But let's start with the lead because I think what you guys are doing is phenomenal. The wellness studio, what is it? Yeah, sure. So the wellness studio is our kind of answer to what we feel like um, can help to destigmatize mental health. We put a lot of emphasis in the aesthetics of the office, um, as well as our our approach to um, 
inviting people to look at mental health in a different way. Mm-hmm. So we have spent a lot of time curating an office that speaks to just that. Okay. The materials, the furniture, the art um, is all made from repurposed materials because we feel that people are constantly repurposing their own lives. Right. So um, it's it's been a journey for sure. And we have really been humbled by the way that people have responded to it and the way that people are, mm-hmm. are talking about not just the office, but mental mm-hmm. health and how it doesn't have to be so intimidating or polarizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I really, um, and just to piggyback off of what you said, I think that a, a, what's at the core of our mission is that we really want to try to change the way people are talking and feeling about mental health, yeah. um, especially mental health therapy. Um, the only thing, other thing I would add as well is that the Wellness Studio is an actual mental health counseling center. We offer services for individual counseling, couples counseling, family counseling, um, as well as group therapy services. And it's for children, adolescents, as well as adults. Um, And, you know, I think that my favorite thing about what we offer is being able to see the rewarding feeling that we get from seeing how much it can impact and help families and people that are in need. Um, there is just this really, really heavy stigma that still exists surrounding mental health. Um, it's still well discussed in the literature. And you kind of see those stigmas break down um, whenever people kind of walk in the office and they look around and they see that it's not just your typical physician's office that might feel more medicinal or yeah. sterile or musty. Um, so that's really, really fun to see. What what drew both of you to mental health? I think when your life experiences um, awaken something in you that you have a different awareness and you have a compassion to wanting to help people. Uh, for me, it was um, something that I, I kind of always felt as a child. And when I took a psychology elective class in college, it just something clicked for me. And I remember graduating from undergrad with in psychology and thinking, you know, kind of what's next and exploring the mental health profession, the, the gambit from uh-huh. psychiatry to social work to counseling to psychology, and just found that it was the right fit for me and my my future goals of, of wanting to be able to help people in a way that would be self-sustaining, that they would be able to learn tools and, and techniques and, and, and have self-empowerment to be able to help themselves later on throughout their lives. Yeah, and I think very similar to Mary Catherine, I my passion for helping people was kind of really innate in, in whenever I was a child. I remember having, I was, actually I still have, Christmas lists that I wrote to Santa that my mom has in the scrapbooks. <laughs> and on the Christmas list it literally says, um, please help this person or please do this for this person. Um, so it was definitely kind of, I've always been, I would consider myself a very empathic person. Yeah. Um, and very much similar to Mary Catherine, whenever I got into, um, actually towards the end of my high school um, path, I was drawn towards psychology and someone, a pro teacher had kind of directed me in that yeah. um, direction. And then once I got to college, the psychology courses just really um, stuck with me. I found it to be just interesting, but also incredibly relevant. And I kind of remember, I remember having these light bulb moments in a lot of the classes where it was like, gosh, can the whole world know this information? (laughs) Just such useful information. Um, And then similar to her, I I was eventually decided the path of counseling. um, And here we are today. What is the personality makeup of someone who is good at this? Someone who uh, 
a great question. serves really as question. a therapist or a you know, mental help right. uh, person. I, I don't think that there's one specific personality type that would be. Um, but what's a general similarity? Yeah, I, think yeah, it's, I think it's like an eclectic approach of um, someone that is, like Katie said, empathetic for sure, intuitive. I would think, and definitely open-minded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone going into this kind of having a specific agenda, I think will will constantly put themselves in a box. Mm-hmm. I think it's being open to to all cultures and diversity and and people's other personalities mm-hmm. and seeing yeah. what makes them um, driven in whatever they do. And I, th- I think what I would add to that is someone that is incredibly self-aware. Um, it really does, as a counselor, it is very, very important that you do maintain a pretty strong sense of self-awareness because you are, you know, whenever you're working with somebody, you there's a, a line where you do not impose your own feelings or thoughts or beliefs about sure. anything onto your client. You are completely working from the client's worldview and perspectives. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself does take a pretty strong self-awareness. So in addition to the personality traits or qualities that she named, I would think that's really important. And some of which, you know, I would say that the personality traits such as empathy, a lot of that stuff I would say is kind of something that people just, some people either have naturally, um, some people are more fit with this profession than maybe others. Yeah. And, but I also think that there are certain things such as self-awareness that is really trained in our programming and and, in our education. What would you describe or if you had to describe to someone the attributes of a strong personality, and I don't mean strong in terms of controlling, I mean mm-hmm. someone who is self-assured, uh, who is less likely to be negatively influenced by the thought mm-hmm. of others, how would you describe that personality if you said, that's a strong-minded person? You know, I think that what comes to mind for me, and this is probably just listing more characteristics, but somebody that has both feet on the ground and you can just kind of tell is, is grounded. And what speaks what to does me, that mean? It, you know, I would say for me, the way that I would define that is someone that has an understanding that there are powers bigger than themselves and that they can think bigger than themselves. It's not just them. They have a more, um, a, a bigger understanding or a more, is more spiritually grounded and has a belief that there's bigger powers than just themselves. And that way when, for example, if a certain trial or tribulation occurs in their life, they can not just put all of that weighing Mm -hmm. on themselves. They're able to kind of look bigger than themselves. Right. And to add to that, I think it's also someone that can find their happiness from within and Mm -hmm. as opposed to external sources. Um, They're very self-secure in in knowing that they can, um, they have the keys to, what true happiness is and they're not always constantly seeking it and others sure. um, I think is also someone that's that I would define as a strong mm-hmm. why is that such a thing people who are constantly seeking the praise or approval of others because I often look at social media mm-hmm. and it seems like it's loaded with people who mm-hmm. just want others validate to them. validate mm-hmm. them yeah. why is that such a thing now you know I think that with the advances in technology, social media has been, it's really given people a very big platform, yeah. um, public platform that, and it's, it's honestly another outlet for how people express themselves. Yeah. And so you can sometimes sort of see personalities shine through on someone's social media. But I, but I also think the flip to that is it's very easy as an outsider to 
to inaccurately judge mm-hmm. somebody based on what you see sure. on their social media. So it's kind of a it works kind of explain that because I could I might fall into the category of people that you're just talking about because I always say sometimes uh, people on Facebook Mm -hmm. are like the only person drunk at a party where everybody else is sober (laughs) they don't even realize what they sound like and and some things are meant in fun but others seem to be just Mm -hmm. dripping with narcissism yeah sure I know what you mean Um, I think that what I, I guess what I'm saying is whenever you look at someone's social media, we're not always um, in tune to our thoughts and yeah. what, what comes to mind. Sure. So you might look through a, a news feed, for example, and if you're not really closely paying attention to the accuracy behind your thoughts, you might be thinking something like, oh, gosh, this person's always on vacation and I'm not. And then all this, oh, you well, know, see for that, example. Not that so much because okay. I, I actually am uh, motivated mm-hmm. by the success of others. But some people, but not all people. No, are. no, no. I, yeah. I think I would have I would venture to say most people are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it never bothers me when someone does well, mm-hmm. because especially on days that uh, that, I, you know, you have bad days and I could see someone else doing well and it'll just like snap mm-hmm. me back into, OK, yeah. you know, now you remember what what it's about. Uh, yeah. I, and I, I find that that isn't society now mm-hmm. and it's an us versus them sure. kind of thing that's being creative, not just in politics, but in, in life in general, that uh, possessions often sometimes are the things that people use to validate mm-hmm. their, right. their value right. on, on the planet. Well, right. And I think also with social media, it's instant metrics. You can instantly find out and measure how many people like or yeah. are not liking, or I think now on Facebook you can see who views your your post as yeah. opposed to actually liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, those those numbers and the, the, those comments are instantly at our, you know at our fingertips. And so um, I think it, it can easily dictate the way that we are motivated or how um, how we can see how people are responding to whatever it is we're doing. And in 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 the way just kind of in our social makeup status symbols oftentimes get the most attention Mm -hmm. so somebody can post about a car or a bag or material things people are gonna it's flashy and people catches people's eye and they're gonna Mm -hmm. gravitate towards it i would say to that too of course is is it's inaccurate to mm-hmm. look at these numbers and right. use them right, as an right. accurate way to define yourself or Absolutely. others. Right. And and we may know that, but some people don't. And so they might be defining their themselves mm-hmm. based on these likes or numbers, um, which I see is especially the case for teenagers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's also one of those things that, yeah, I think just further education yeah. Yeah. into those age demographics and just give it, helping teaching them to have that awareness mm-hmm. so they're, they're not just instantly judge themselves or others based on a number of followers. So, you know, when you were talking earlier about stronger per, strong personalities and what does it mm-hmm. take to be a strong personality, I know you guys do a lot of work with kids mm-hmm. and you're talking with kids and there seems to be this thing in society now where everyone wants to look like someone Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing has always existed but because of media and how you can get images and messages Mm -hmm. and things so Mm -hmm. much uh so much more now people can see celebrities and they want to emulate them Mm -hmm. but i think there's a danger oh absolutely in that from a from a mental standpoint what is the danger 
The danger is, and I, I have to mention this, there is a, um, a documentary mm-hmm. film that's on Netflix called Misrepresentation. Really? Um, oh, yeah, it's spelled fabulous. M-I-S-S, um, and it speaks to a lot of what you're saying. Yeah. And there's been research in this area for decades, and of course, there's one that comes to mind who is a professor of mine at LSU, Dr. Laura Choate. She does a lot of research in this area, especially the impact that this has on girls and women. Um, but whenever we are constantly being, I have to say, bombarded by mm-hmm. media images of which are often photoshopped, for example, of women or girls who are photoshopped to be smaller than what they really are, maybe blemishes are covered. Sure. We are then kind of unconsciously sent this message of that's what the definition of beautiful is. And then we kind of want, to, we almost have this desire to want to look in this certain way or be this certain way. So whenever it's completely impossible or unrealistic because these images are actually fake, Mm -hmm. they're Photoshopped. They're not real Mm -hmm. most of the time. Um, and thankfully we've seen a lot of, um, public figures or celebrities, I should say that are trying to put more raw images out or they will backlash a company that photoshopped them without their permission because they, because there's been more recognition of the negative impact that this can have on young teenagers. Yeah. And I think especially, um, I think the dove campaign does a great job of being able to show beauty at all different perspectives and they um and if you look at beauty over the last couple of centuries i mean the definition of that has changed so much Mm -hmm. and if you look at what it is now i mean it's it's pretty much unattainable without surgery and photoshop and absolutely and so um it it sends this false image to young young women that um it, it it's hard to combat with but i think a beauty in counseling kind of no sure. pun intended or pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> counseling is is helping that person um, find their their inner beauty yeah. in a way. And how do you do that? <laughs> well, I think it starts with having them define what beauty is for them, huh. um, and really stripping that down and having them go deeper into processing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I often like to do what I call like a vision board with with young girls um, where they actually cut out pictures from a magazine and define beauty that way. And then we kind of take a step back and as a therapist, we can help them take that 10,000 foot view of uh-huh. what about um, what they've created is attainable, unattainable, and what is actually going to make you happy mm-hmm. uh, is, is one technique of just of looking at it. And I think just bringing them to a place of, of self-awareness. Yeah, absolutely. I think at, that's a great question, Clay. At what age is the confidence of a child most likely to be destroyed? And I have a follow-up to that. Okay. You know, I honestly don't think I would know that, the, the specific answer. I'm sure there's things in the, in, the res- in the literature out there that would maybe give a supported number that's supported right. by research evidence. So what comes to mind is, is that this is a kind of a, a professional sure. guess. Um, but I would definitely say around the ages of, of middle school, okay. um, when kids are starting to develop their own identity, yeah. it's kind of considered the who am I phase of yeah. life or um, as some would call it identity versus role confusion. And it's that age of adolescence where kids are trying to figure out who they are, who they fit in with, mm-hmm. what defines them, what are they interested in, what are their beliefs about the world. Mm-hmm. And that is a very difficult 
state of, of your life to be in. So. It is. It, so for over 20 years, I've been I, I volunteer with a programs, specifically with kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to give back as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I mean, from where I came from to things that I've been able to do, I consider sure. myself very fortunate. And mm-hmm. I often see kids in bad situations yeah. who have the capacity to really achieve some success because there mm-hmm. is something in them that's intangible that you sure. can't really describe, but you can look at them and see it. Yeah. And then I've seen kids who have, who are so decimated by their environment mm-hmm. that you could see they don't have confidence. Yeah. And I tell this story about a high school here in town. I won't call the high school a few summers ago. Me and some friends were, were a part of a program where we went to schools and spoke with mm-hmm. kids. And there was a young lady in the room who had these big hoop earrings. And in the middle of the earring, uh, both earrings was the word sexy. And so we're talking to the kids. Mm -hmm. And so I asked some of the young men in the room, what do you think about her when you see those earrings? And they, as kids can do, Mm -hmm. (laughs) gave her the brutal truth that I won't repeat here. Sure. And her expression said, that she was looking for anything but what they were saying. Mm -hmm. So I asked her, I said, why'd you buy those earrings? She said, I saw them in like a hair store, hair Mm -hmm. salon store. I'm a guy. I don't know what you call those stores, but she saw them and she bought them. And I asked her what she thought about what these guys were saying. And she admitted, that's not what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. So I said, how about I buy those from you for what you paid for them? And I bought them from her. Mm -hmm. She was ready to sell them too. At that point, I still have one of those earrings. And the point of me telling that story is this. It often occurs to me that there are adults who either are incapable of Mm -hmm. or who are unwilling to notice those periods when children just need someone to approve of them. Mm -hmm. And it seems like when that doesn't happen at the house, Mm-hmm. <laughs> they Basically, go out and get it from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Am I totally off on this? I think what I would say to what you're saying, no, actually, I think that's a really a, a great story and example that I think a lot of people can learn from. And, you know, my response to that would be twofold without specifically talking about, you know, the particular um, people in your story. But generally speaking, this is where that self-awareness I was talking about comes in. When you, when you don't have that self-awareness of how you're, own behavior considering how your own behavior impacts those around you it may just be something that you're not even given second thought yeah um but it also goes to what and what environments that we grow up in and what sort of things that we are impacted by and what impacts us and influences us as well Mm -hmm. um Counseling, I I mean, not to also advocate for Mm -hmm. our profession is a really really great place for people to learn, especially when you're talking about young kids, to be able to strengthen their identity and work through, I I would say getting that approval, but in a healthy way Mm -hmm. um, and learning. It's it's also, I guess, a good way of modeling to a child. Um, It speaks to kind of what you're talking about. Yeah, I would say for for parents as well. I think parents sometimes feel like they are giving their children that that approval, but yet they turn around and will, will 
self-deprecate on themselves or, or, or mm-hmm. sit on their phones or do things that they don't realize that their children are watching. And so I always say to parents of, of teenagers or tweens or adolescents that, you know, be very mindful of what you're doing because even though in one moment when you can comfort your child after having a hard day or, or talking to them about body image, um, it, but if you turn around and then you're harsh on yourself, mm-hmm. they are aware of that and they're, they're picking up on that too. Yeah. What do you find to be a consistent issue and I'm going to, we'll do both levels of this, but a consistent issue with young people that you, you guys are counseling when they come in, you're seeing this more and more, or it's more consistent now with that 13 to 20 age group. Oh gosh. Social media comes to mind. Um, not, not, not that I'm specifically blaming or attacking social media. I think social media is a wonderful tool. I think it inspires people. I think it does a lot of great things, um, especially for businesses. Um, however, I think when used irresponsibly, um, it can kind of take kids down a rabbit hole and explain. So a lot, and a lot of the work that we do, and I work with a lot of teenagers, that 12 to 17 year old range, mm-hmm. um, social media comes up in almost every conversation. Um, oh. it, it may be that they are talking about, you know, the, the feelings of depression that they might've been experiencing or anxiety. And when we explore that further, it's attached to, well, this girl posted a picture of her with my boyfriend and made a comment to intentionally embarrass me. Or it might be, um, a young boy talking about how when he looks at his newsfeed, he feels that he doesn't have all that he should have based on what other people material things. Sure. Absolutely. Can I make one Um, observation about that? And, and this is kind of reflective of us as adults. And I think it, it's, I just, it dawned on me not very long ago that we all, and I'm included, sometimes make judgments about social media in general. Sure. Now, I'm in a business that uses mm-hmm. all forms of marketing. Right. However, I do think it's fair to say that we don't know how a lot of us would have acted oh, with social absolutely. media because it didn't exist. Absolutely. Right. Right. So no I think we have to be fair. Right. The things that existed yeah. you know, 10, 15, right. 20 years ago yeah. that you can compare to now are one thing, but mm-hmm. there was no Twitter or, mm-hmm. or Facebook right. or Instagram all those years ago. So who knows how you would have right. reacted to having it. Exactly. And I think that's why it's so great that that there are counselors out there sure. that can help these teenagers explore and work through this because we're very non-judging and we understand, we have an educated understanding at this sensitive place in time. They are developmentally in their life yeah. and can understand why in their place they might be having these sort of experiences with social media. Okay. And in the primary goal I would say with counseling is to empower people to come up with their own solutions and see and find their own solutions to a problem. So when you can see them learn and work through that themselves and gain these insights, it's really, Mm -hmm. really quite remarkable. How how much more time do you guys have? Because there are lots of issues that I want to, that I want, because we still have to talk about the holidays and okay. So (laughs) go ahead. Just to add to what you said and and something that I see a lot of in that age demographic is anxiety and it's oftentimes over or school, obviously peer groups. Um, college preparing for college sure. i think the standards and the stakes are, are much higher even from when, when sure. we went you know 10 mm-hmm. 15 years ago and um there's a there's a really beautiful youtube video from baton rouge high students two baton, baton rouge high students that did a poetry slam on the pressures of a graduating senior um that's that that i think kind of speaks to all the the different components of what makes preparing for college 
so anxiety ridden. And so yeah. I think that um, that's just something I've seen a lot more recently is this anxiety and the pressure of performing on an academic level and balancing social your social life and and maybe you're an athlete or in some form of club or band and it's it's a lot let's talk a little bit about the we use a lot of labels now and in society i am often skeptical about labels now not a mental health professional but sometimes i am skeptical Mm -hmm. about and here's why I tend to try to encourage people and myself to believe that no matter what there's another opportunity to win Mm -hmm. you know you have bad days you have losses in business things that go on but I try never to get so down and I'm pretty pretty tough on me but get so down to where you you don't want to try and sometimes I think with kids especially who are often looking for a reason to quit because they're kids. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I don't judge them for it. It's kind of what they do. You have to develop the ethic to keep going no matter what. Mm-hmm. And now I think it's backfiring a little bit. Case in point, we're learning more about this couple in California who had this act of terror on people that they felt unliked on the job. And, and look how it's now manifesting. Mm-hmm. So... How do you prevent or what's a way to prevent a real mental health issue from being used or scapegoated as an excuse for behavior in some other area? Or am I totally wrong? And that's well, the premise of that is just ridiculous. I think the way and that is a it's a complex question that I'm sure a lot of experts in the field would have. I've got their, I varying, just happen to have two experts <laughs> here. So um, they would have varying responses to that question. However, I would say that the answer to that is whenever these labels are being used to figure out who they're being used by mm-hmm. a an educated and experienced mental health professional really should be the only ones right. giving these labels or commenting on because it. Because you can give backstory on why the science sure. says this is what sure. you'll see. Right. And we can also, I mean, there's also, we have a, a, a code of ethics that sure. we follow. Um, sure. And we actually are, are not supposed to, you know, quote unquote, diagnose people in the public eye because they are not our clients. They are not our patients. We are not working with them on a day-to-day basis. Dang it, that how kills my Donald we, Trump question. Can, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, of course, there can be spe- speculation. However, we really, I mean, ethically cannot comment from a diagnostic standpoint on people that we don't even really know. Sure. Right. Um, yeah, it's we're, I guess you'd be diagnosing off of an image what we perceive to know, but obviously... Um, that is a very good question, though. I think yeah. that you hear a lot in the media, um, and this actually connects to some of what I'm doing with my uh, dissertation research, but whatever, a lot of the stuff that you see in the media, people just automatically take at face value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever you sometimes hear people talking about, about mental health, it, they may not even be mental health professionals. So that would be my first caution. It right. depends on who that's coming from. Okay. Yeah, and I would also just... To piggyback on what Katie said, it's about education and advocacy, and it's the people in our field that are doing that work, but yeah. giving them even a louder platform, um, like our like the American Counseling Association, giving them a, a, the time and the platform to when these these specific instances arise to go to them for the answers and not just um, 
someone kind of that can just make a good sound bite that might not be in the mental health profession. Mm. Um, and I think it actually kind of goes back to what we were saying about teenagers and social media mm-hmm. and, and the way that they gravitate towards it as adults. We do too for our news and for our information. And so if we're going to something that's just sensationalized and we're not looking about who's providing that information mm-hmm. and the yeah. credibility behind it, then that that's what I think makes it makes the stigma more palpable. That's what is point. happy? What is happy? Um, you know, I would say that happiness is a state of mind that does take practice for, I think, a lot of people. That um, takes practice. Absolutely. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. How do you practice being um, happy? I would say there, it's people are constantly having to take responsibility and work in their lives. Yeah. And I don't mean work in the sense of a job, but work towards towards happiness, especially as life evolves and and throws you different yeah. trials and tribulations. Yeah. Um, I, I, a lot of the times hear people kind of get in these doom and gloom areas, which I'm sure we all three could say sure. ourselves have Absolutely. been there. Um, and I always like to tell people and help people take responsibility in the sense that instead of using language such as I have to do this or I should have done this, they can start to say, I'm choosing to do this. I made this choice because I value this. And so they're starting to be able to take more control mm-hmm. and just even changing the language with yourself makes an impact <laughs> on how you feel. Right. I've had that conversation uh, with myself and with people. I think, I forget who told me this years ago that you have to be <laughs> careful about what you say to yourself and Absolutely. about yourself. Right. Now, I'm always working on that. I, <laughs> I'm no expert at we it. Sometimes I'll catch myself say something and say, come on, young, don't say that. We, you know, right. just, it's okay, we all yeah. are. Yeah, I define happiness as a choice. It's, yeah. it's when you get to that fork in the road of life, no matter if you got the wrong coffee order or you've lost a spouse, it's be, that choice to become bitter or better. And the, the to better... become bitter or better. better. Yeah. Like it. <laughs> you know, and I, to become better, I think is the definitely the more difficult path, but it's the one that's the most rewarding and the one where your happiness is then now ingrained. So in this your is, this is so fascinating. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. I, I do work often with people running for office and people in office. And mm-hmm. I think you both would have a field day. <laughs> I mean, I've had the opportunity to meet two presidents and I've known every governor of Louisiana since, Edwin Edwards, mm-hmm. right? And people in politics, and it's so interesting. That's, again, another thing I want to ask you about. You talk about bitter or better and practicing happiness. I think most people want to be happy. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's Maybe everybody does. It just seems like some people are. Yeah. I think some people are hell-bent on being angry every day, but yeah. that's just, you know, an outside amateur observation. Practice, what are some exercises, right? What are some things that you could you would tell people to do? Well, someone wise once explained to me the difference between self care and downtime, <laughs> and so, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that 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 is something that has really stuck with me because self care is the things that you do that help you check out, yeah. that help you decompress, yeah. whether it's a Netflix series or mm-hmm. it's running outside or hanging out with your friends, or yeah. your partner, whomever. Yeah, that's where you feel like you your your guards down, you feel vulnerable, and you can just kind of be but it's so hard it is. to it is have hard. those moments and to trust people to come in sure right. to right. be able to let your guard right. down with. i would say that the biggest key to that that i have found most research on that i have found most helpful with my clients most helpful with myself 
in addition to counseling, of course, would be mindfulness and meditation. So you hear a lot about mindfulness, but just to kind of like break it down about what it is, um, mindfulness is it's being able to be in the present moment and live in the present moment mm-hmm. while having an observance of your own thoughts and feelings without yeah. judging them, without looking hmm. at them as bad or good. So it's it's it is what it is. Kind of, yes. Okay. Uh, but it's being able to learn to be able to be more mindful and present in the moment without judging yourself. Okay, explain that. T- explain that a little bit more. A little bit. The way I would kind of break it down a little bit more is imagine if you are walking into a grocery store. Okay. And let's say you, you don't have a state of mindfulness. You're not necessarily realizing that the thoughts that you might be having are predominantly negative. So you might be walking down the aisle going, oh, I can't buy that because I'm fat and I'm ugly and I just can't eat this way. Or I don't have the ability to be able to buy this because I'm a loser and I don't have a job. So there's this these catastrophizing mm-hmm. thoughts that a lot of people experience. And of course, I'm probably speaking from perspectives of people that have been suffering because sure. I'm a counselor. sure. However, I think that once people are able to adapt this state of mindfulness and observe their own thought patterns, they realize there's no validity behind most right. of the way they're thinking. Most of the but worries why do are people dig in on those things? Why do people dig in on the negatives as opposed to dwelling on some of the positives? I think it could be insecurities. and that. And what constitutes insecurity? I think insecurities is something that we feel is maybe we're embarrassed about or ashamed about or feel like we'll be judged about or mm-hmm. it's something that we feel makes us less worthy of of love or of acceptance of attention or, or things that which comes from where I think it comes from a, a, a multi yeah a place of yeah. that can be made up of life experiences mm-hmm. um, it can be come from just a mindset of the way that someone has always if, if someone's always been told that this is a negative you know that that weight is a negative issue. Give me an example. Maybe a, a child that's grown up where a parent has always talked negatively about weight and when they've mm-hmm. gone to the park or gone to school and, and mm-hmm. they hear the things, and not just parents, but their peers or things that people have mm-hmm. said. And in fear of speaking up and because they may be ridiculed or maybe they're going to be com- combated or, or debated. Yeah. They're not necessarily sure that how they feel is accurate. Mm-hmm. I think kids do that to one another, though. Kids do that to one another, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be the case. Like, bullying is a thing. It does happen with kids. It has always happened. Kids kind of do that. It's it's kind of this thing they do, pecking order on a playground. Mm-hmm. It's worse when it's adults. But you, you brought to mind something I read in a book by a guy. His name is T. Harv Eker. The, the book is called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Friends of mine have heard me quote that book so many times. <laughs> but he talks about how people subconsciously set a value on themselves. And he uses the analogy of someone having a wealth thermostat and where he talks about money. He says, if someone has a subconscious view of themselves as being poor, Mm -hmm. he says, think of it like a thermostat in a house. If it is 80 degrees outside and the thermostat is set on 70 and you open a window, right? and it gets warmer, the thermostat will turn on the AC 
to try to drive the temperature down, just like if it is 40 degrees outside and the Mm -hmm. thermostat is set on 65 or 70, you open a window, cold air comes in, it tries to push the Mm -hmm. atmosphere inside to the optimum level as set by the thermostat. He says the same is true with people Mm -hmm. where it comes to money. If you don't see yourself as someone who is worthy of it, even if I give you a million dollars, you will make decisions subconsciously that will bring you back to where you think your value Mm -hmm. ought to be. And it was the first time that someone actually said, think about the way you view what you deserve. Absolutely. What you what you have earned mm-hmm. from now he was not a mental health professional. I was, I was about he, he, my next question. He's, I'm he's just someone who has he talks about his own life experiences mm-hmm. and all of his bad mistakes and he mm-hmm. admits them and he says and it comes from his father. His father was in real estate and in between jobs they would live like gypsies, like like paupers. Mm-hmm. And when you know, the, he, he, it sell a property or something. It would be celebrate good mm-hmm. times. He's come on. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, what about that? That's a really interesting. Um, I, I would love to read more into that. Oh, book. it's great. It's yeah. great. It's a really, really interesting analogy. And what really spoke to me as a counselor, as you were telling that story yeah. is, and I, I do agree with the way he put it in a lot of ways, but what stuck out to me is the, that, Every person can make the choice to change the way that they view something. Mm-hmm. And they can, even just a simple perspective flip from yeah. the way mm-hmm. he described it, imagine what, what the world opened to him almost right. when you can change the way you look at something. And that's one of the, the strongest things I think about counseling is that it does empower people to look at things differently. So maybe if they did grow up in a state of, de- of oppression, um, and had difficult experiences growing up, they still have within their power and helping them realize that they have within their control, the Mm -hmm. ability to be able to look at things differently in a more realistic and healthy and achieve that state of happiness Mm -hmm. that we were talking Mm -hmm. about earlier. Racism is destructive. Mm -hmm. And I've met racists who have been white. I've met racists who've been black. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a house where people weren't considered I'll keep this clean, good or bad, by based upon the color of their skin. It was mm-hmm. kind of how sure. uh, my mother was an equal opportunity lover in terms of liking people and an equal opportunity, get the hell out of here, mm-hmm. somebody yeah. too. She was, I had tough, tough women in my <laughs> family. I mean that in, in a loving sense. Sure, sure. Why is it so destructive? And in 2015, we seem to be talking a hell of a lot about racial divisions. You know, the first person that comes to mind on this topic of conversation is my professor who I give all credit to for all the knowledge that I have surrounding this issue. And I am in no way an expert um, on the issue of racism. (laughs) I guess only racists can um, be, right? And I think that my professor, I'll name him Dr. Zaris Watson. He's taught me so much about this topic. And one of the biggest bits of information that stuck with me about this is Whenever the issue of racism is examined, I think it is very important that people in our profession of psychology are up at the table and they're there to examine it and look at it. People in psychology, we are trained to look at why people act the way they act, why people behave the way they do, um, or at least to hypothesize about that. There's a lot of researched theories that 
can speak on this issue or fit with this issue. And where does it come from? The, per- the perspective that he gave me was you can't look at one, one act of racism or one situation without looking at the entire movie. Sure. What is the history mm. behind it and where it started? And so if you're looking at two indiv- individuals and maybe even larger systems, when you are able to explore where that comes from and the history behind it, most of the time you'll learn that people are operating off of base conditioning. Mm-hmm. So people's percep- What does that mean? So people's perceptions are shaped kind of insidiously over time. Um, for example, if we grow up hearing certain derogatory things about sure. a particular race, sure. we then, our perceptions are then sh- shaped to think that way. And what happens is if we're... Is it a passive or active thought process in terms of the hearer? When you, when you are, does that, does that it question be, make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it could be a little bit of both. And I think I do understand what you're yeah. saying. You're, you're mm-hmm. kind of saying, is it something that they're actively aware that they're digesting? Or right. They're, yes. Right. It, and I would think it, it not a health a, professional. Yeah, just <laughs> trying to make certain. <laughs> and I think that's a, a cool way to yeah. put it. Um, especially for people to understand. Right. It, so that's a great way to say it. Yeah. Um, but I think it works both ways. And whenever I was speaking to self-awareness earlier, um, in our profession, whenever I was saying that we are almost trained to be self-aware, one of the biggest things that we're trained to do is to be what we call multiculturally competent. We multiculturally competent. Mm-hmm. I love that. We can look across from <laughs> someone and have no judgment yeah. whatsoever yeah. about their race, their religious religion, their gender. spiritual beliefs, their gender. I love that. Um, multiculturally competent. <laughs> what a great phrase. Yeah. Uh, I like that because it's the discussion we're having now that and as you as you guys listen to this earlier this mm-hmm. week, you know, Donald Trump talked about banning all Muslims from coming right. into the country and it muddies the water on the Absolutely. discussion of terrorism. Absolutely. There is a radicalization of that faith. And I think it's used as a justification sure. for what these sociopaths want to do. Right. right? When the discussion rises or (laughs) lowers to that level, we move away from talking about how do we identify the people who are doing this and stop them from killing innocent people Mm -hmm. to a a discussion about semantics and definitions. And it's like it's a waste of time. I don't really participate in it in places because it's like a knee jerk reaction. Yeah, it is. It definitely seems like a knee jerk reaction. And Mm -hmm. and again, I would say not enough psychology. Mm -hmm counseling, psychiatry, not enough mental health professionals are at the table having these discussions, especially on a public platform, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Um, More so on a public platform. Of course, I can't speak to what happens behind the scenes because I'm not there. But on the public platform arenas, we don't see enough psychology experts at the table talking about this. Um, Well, you know, there's a train wreck quality to society where people will sit in traffic and pretend not to see someone holding a sign asking for help, but will slam into the back of someone looking at an accident on the other side of the interstate. I don't understand that, but it's like, I got to be somewhere, guys. It's an accident. Have you seen one before? Here's here's another question for you. Mm -hmm. What is ugly? What is ugly? I would say it's the same way she defined beauty earlier. It's it's something that (laughs) it's it's a subjective... Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah, I, I would say there's no one way I could define it other than it's subjective. I think people have different definitions of what they would consider to be ugly. And it's probably something that over time has evolved. Because, mm-hmm. I, you know, beauty 
unattractiveness, all of these things are so much more of an inward quality right. than it is right. outward. There could be someone who is a work mm -hmm. of art naturally or by the hand of a plastic mm -hmm. surgeon, but on the inside could be an ogre and you really don't know. Yeah. And sometimes the person doesn't know. Sure. You talked earlier about being self-aware, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So when you see someone who is extremely attractive, mm -hmm. but they don't, they don't seem to know that they're attractive or they seem to not see how much of a wonderful person they are, sure. what would you say to them when you're talking to them? Because hmm. I'm sure you guys have sat with people who come in Absolutely. and their their self image mm -hmm. is um, is just really thrown off. I think I really like the way Mary Catherine answered this earlier, and it's I would answer it similarly for this question, mm -hmm. which is when you said you would first help them understand how they define mm -hmm. how they feel about themselves. I think it's really important to start from their perspectives and their worldview because. I think a lot of us, again, knee-jerk, want to quickly say, oh, but you're so beautiful. Oh, but don't you see this about yourself? Oh, you look great. And, you know, quit saying your hair's ugly or whatever. <laughs> uh, I think that is us imposing mm -hmm. our perspectives onto that person. While it, of course, may brighten their day, and I'm not saying people should just quit doing <laughs> that, um, I think it's really in person, important that the person is able to come up with their own ideas of what makes How do you them get feel them there? beautiful. Counseling. Yeah. Counseling. Um, okay. I, I think it's hard to to have a, a, an exact answer because if you think of it like a recipe, I mean, each person is different and there's different ingredients that kind of make up the mm -hmm. situation. They mm -hmm. may have had a previous history of mental illness or depression in their family. So that might be an added um, difficulty yeah. to the situation. Yeah. You have to understand where they're coming from. And what of their what of their life experiences or their family dynamics or their social dynamics has gotten them to where they are and where mm -hmm. you're you're meeting them. Right. Yeah. Have them explain to you how they got there. Yeah. And then that's again, like Katie said, counseling. the counseling kind of kicks in and, and you can you can go, you can process and grow from there. Mm -hmm. What are the varying levels of being depressed? Varying levels. Are there varying levels? Uh, of of depression, like on a spectrum. Yes, on a spectrum. Okay. There's, Thank you. There's definitely different. So we we use what they call the DSM. It's a diagnostic manual for mental disorders, and there are different types of depression. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you can have um, what we call major depressive disorder, um, which you is can have so a major depressive disorder is is has different time criteria on it so you have would have had to have been in a depressed mood accompanied with some other criteria for a certain space of time like six months or more criteria um, like diagnostic criteria that i'm describing so such as depressed mood lack of sleep or yeah. sleeping too much or lack of appetite or eating too much so mm -hmm. there's different criteria that would that kind of has to be checked off in order to meet that diagnosis. Sure. Um, and there's different types of depression. So the other type would be, for example, depressive disorder, not otherwise specified, which means someone may have some of the criteria of depression, but they don't meet the full blown criteria for being to, for having MDD or major depressive disorder. Okay. So I think that kind of answers your question. Hopefully so the reason I ask that question is I sometimes wonder about, 
that mm-hmm. when it comes to people. Because I don't know. I think we are a more educated society now sure. because of the proliferation of information. You can get information now. I remember when when you needed to do a, a book report, you had to go to a library to get an encyclopedia or you had them at your house. Sure. Now there's Google or <laughs> right. Bing or Yahoo and all yeah, these things. Yeah. And people sometimes say things about themselves and I don't know if it's real or not. And I try not, you know, I don't know, maybe they know, but self-diagnosis. And I guess that's what I'm getting at. Mm. Sometimes yeah, saying yeah. about saying something about yourself based upon what you read on WebMD right. Right. versus right. talking with someone like one of you yes. who actually can say, well, that's really not what you're right. dealing with. Right. Here is what you're dealing with. Yeah. And there is actually a prescription mm-hmm. or some activities that you can Absolutely. employ that will help you. Right. Does that make sense? I think yeah. there's really no no comment for me because you said it you so said well. it i know i mean oh wow i got yeah, one right I would, okay i completely <laughs> i completely agree with yeah. what you just said yeah. so the holidays are here this is the mm-hmm. time when people are more aware of wanting to be in physical shape financial shape right mental shape all of these things december because january sim- symbolizes beginnings it's right. the beginning of a brand new canvas that you get to paint i'm always excited about january's because i always want to be better mm-hmm. and you know i guess when you have a great year i'm always thinking crap how do i beat it and now <laughs> i'm motivated it, yeah. to go top mm-hmm. it so this time of the year when people are dealing with depression from lost loved ones, mm-hmm. uh, from being alone to challenging years and things mm-hmm. that have happened, especially now with the economy having been what it's been, I think the most important thing people can do if they really are dealing with it is call you and come see you. And we're going to give them a way yeah. to do that. Yeah. But yeah. let's give let's give a little bit sure. of something here to say this sure. is what you do if you are just really down during this time of the year. Sure. Um, I'll start. In addition to counseling, and I'm so glad that you named that, um, definitely reaching out to a counselor can be one of the most valuable or helpful ways to be able to get help. Uh Um, But in addition to that, I think a lot of it is realizing that you have more control over the way you think about things than you realize. Um, You have the ability to focus on the positive. And I know that people hear that a lot. Oh, Uh stay positive. Just think positive thoughts. And it's a lot harder than what it sounds like. And I know that sometimes... I say that in hopes to be able to normalize it for people so they don't feel so frustrated. Um, That's where mindfulness comes in. Mm -hmm. So when you're trying to stay positive, but then you get frustrated, it's being mindful that it's okay that it's, it's difficult for you, Mm -hmm. but the act of actually naming these positive things about yourself or noticing the things that you feel more grateful about while at first it may not, you may not feel immediately better over time. What that does is creates that, neurological pathway, if you will, to be able to think more positively. Mm-hmm. So naming the things you're grateful for, I know it sounds cliche, but there's oh, science it's good. behind it. Why it's because good. sometimes I think it's so interesting you say that. Sometimes you'll think about an accomplishment sure. or something you do, you've done and you start to have a physical reaction to it. Sure. You'll either you'll mm-hmm. laugh or you'll smile. Right. Or, you know, it's yeah. like, wow, you know, that was good. I, I'm, yeah. I, and it changes your mood. Absolutely. Well, and I think what's important about the, the way that people feel during the holidays is that, number one, is you're not alone. There's, there's at least, mm-hmm. I think in the research it shows, about 10 million Americans suffer from what they call wow. seasonal affective disorder, which is 
you can have these more depressive like symptoms during this time of year, which can be triggered by numerous things. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Just going back to social media again, you see people posting their seasonal family holiday photos and Expedia travel discounts, and it's all these <laughs> things that are bombarding us. And this, the, my favorite is when I see the pumpkin spice latte like right at the end of August, and I think, okay, we're here now, and. Um, it, 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 like Katie said, it's it's mindfulness, which is so important. I think a big part of that too is managing your expectations of what your holidays will will or will not be like. Um, your family is your family. You're you're not going to be able to change those out at the store. So <laughs> you, when you go, <laughs> but if someone can tell me right, where exactly, there's some right? people I want to return, <laughs> Costco. You can do everything at Costco. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love you can it. buy in bulk. I think the warrant. I think the warranty is expired in some cases. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But no. But God, we can make you laugh. Yeah. See? yeah. But That's good. Talking to counselor. But it's it's all these topics. I think we're talking about race, politics, sure. gender. Sure. You know, this is the time we've had a big year for all of these issues, yeah. right? Yeah. And when you go to that dinner table, Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. And you're sitting across from that relative that you know is is very close-minded or, or is going to have a big opinion. It's it's managing your expectations of what to expect from that person and what you hope to accomplish or gain sure. by engaging in them or, or and what you can and can't control. And what as well, you can well and can't control, exactly. I just I I and maybe this is wrong, but again, I'm just being totally transparent. I just remove myself from mm-hmm. those situations by either not going there or not inviting sure. them to my house, which and is that, a, another that, great that tactic. That leads me to. Another question here. I have found for me personally value in a regular evaluation of who's in my circle and then kicking people Mm -hmm. out. A friend of mine Mm -hmm. says that relationships should either add to, correct, or protect your life. Mm -hmm. People that are around you. Mm -hmm. They should do one or all of those things. Yeah, I like that. And I have... And I don't know why, and <laughs> there are probably reasons behind it, but again, just being honest, I sometimes hung on to people a whole sure. hell of a lot oh, longer sure. than Absolutely. I should have, yeah. and then Absolutely. you get yeah. to a point to where you just say, okay, this is just, yeah. I got to yeah. cut you out. Well, I there's def- people in our life by default, whether it's sure. because we're related to them, sure. or it's because we've known them since we were six, and oh, sure. we feel kind of... Um, you know, they're not necessarily some necessarily someone we'd seek out a relationship or a friendship yeah. with now in our yeah. life, but by longevity and and you know you, you they they exist in your social circle. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. cannot unknow them. So yeah. it's sure. about managing what what it is that you give and receive. With sure. That person. And also knowing that you have the choice of who to surround yourself mm-hmm. with, like you were saying, yeah. surrounding yourself with people that are positive is in your uh, and I do agree with that. I mean, you know, not every, people have bad days. I mean, and, and again, I agree with what you said about not judging people. People have bad days. Sure. Crap happens. Sure. Right. But I think for the most part, you want to be you should want to be around people mm-hmm. who keep you motivated for the next yeah. minute. Sure. Well, and, and, and to piggyback on that, I think relationships also are very cyclical and fluid. And sure. so you can have a relationship with someone in your teenage years that oh, you drift sure. apart or for something maybe did happen that, that caused the distance, but yet you kind of come back together and later in life because of the way you've both have grown or maybe oh, sure. worked on yourself. So I, I like to always let people know when they when they have someone that they feel like they have to kind of cut, quote unquote, cut out of their life, that depending on the work that each person does separately, oh, sure. you never know what could come back around. Yeah. When when you see someone make the change, mm-hmm. someone comes to you, they are they don't have confidence in themselves. They don't seem to have a clear mm-hmm. direction. 
and then over talking with you, they start to develop positive mental Mm -hmm. practices where they say positive things to themselves, where they, whatever the case may Mm be. What is your personal feeling? Talking about y'all now, when you see someone who is an incredible person, but they don't know it or a destructive person that you help not be so destructive and, yeah. and become constructive. Yeah. How do you feel knowing that you were a part of that person's transition? I would definitely say a sense of reward, um, but also more this feeling of being proud of them because I give all credit to my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, what we do is, is work, but at the same time, it's, really are clients that are doing the work themselves Mm -hmm. and they're in this difficult position to be able to see them go from such a disparate place to then feeling empowered is just feels rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I would say very thankful that we're able to have this specific business that we've been able to offer to one, even if it was just one person, Mm -hmm. we had to close our doors. This one person were able to find themselves Mm -hmm. and, or maybe enhance themselves or Mm -hmm. or just in some way, shape or form, go out back out to their communities Mm -hmm. and be more of a positive influence for change, for growth, for inspiration to others. So it's, I feel so humbled like by what they, how they, and sometimes it's not even necessarily verbally communicated. Mm -hmm. You can just see that difference and it's, there's nothing like that feeling. Well said. I think you are two of the most fascinating people that I have ever met. And I think that y'all are both incredible. Um, And it's, it's fascinating because I think you genuinely want to help people. And I have met some fill in the blank. People who, <laughs> who, who, you know, do what you do. And from the first time I met you and I walked into your building, I could tell the energy in there was so positive. Yeah. And I'm a believer in the energy that we exchange between one another. Sure. That someone who's negative can walk into a room and you know it. Yeah. Someone who's positive can walk into a room and you also know it. Mm-hmm. And I think what y'all are doing is so important because people need to know that they are on this planet for a positive reason. And I think if we all see it that way, we are less likely to be interested in hurting one another. Well said. And so I think I I encourage you guys to keep doing what you're doing. So let's talk about that part of it for someone who's listening now, Mm -hmm. because I think we've given away great sizzle (laughs) without giving away the steak. So How can they reach you and learn more about the wellness studio? Sure. Um, There's multiple ways that we can be reached. Um, We have a, of course, a phone line. Yeah. Um, The number is 225-448-3359. One more time. 225-448-3359. And that gets us to our local Baton Rouge office where you then can be connected to our Covington location where we also offer the same services. Um, we also have a website, which is www.surprisinglywell.com. That's www.surprisinglywell.com. Um, and on our website, it can direct you to our Instagram and Facebook pages as well. I was, I was going to ask that question. Mm-hmm. Katie, Mary, Catherine, thank you all so much. Thank you. Thank so you, you got to come back now. We, we've got it because there's so much more we can talk about. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think we just in, in an hour's time, we just sure. kind of scratched the surface of, of all yeah. of these things. Thank the Wellness so Studio yeah. back in just a moment. Thanks, Clay. Thanks. 
Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Unbelievable, ladies, right? Unbelievable. The Wellness Studio in Baton Rouge. You've got that contact information. Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue, Katie Fetzer, soon to be Dr. Katie Fetzer, licensed professional counselors. And uh, they are certainly not intending to offer arbitrarily uh, any advice to anyone. They are both credentialed in what they do, and it's just a conversation about varying subjects. And you did get the contact information if you wish to contact to contact them. And as I said before the interview, there's nothing wrong with asking for help if you need it. And these ladies, I'm sure, are well-equipped to help people who are in need. All right, guys, one more show before Christmas. Looking forward to that. It's been a fantastic one. Don't forget, download the Talk 107.3 app to get to the show from there. You can also go to iTunes and listen in the uh, podcast section there. Download the show every week. Hit that subscribe button or just log on to the website, podcast225.com. That's podcast225.com. I'm Clay Young saying thank you so much for listening And we'll talk with you more next week here on podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.